Hello and welcome to the best weekend of football of the year, Divisional Weekend. Welcome to NFL Game Time Podcast with your host, I'm Alex Rubinson. And I'm Shai Dweck. So Shai, we reached it, the really what some think is the best weekend of football, Divisional Weekend. And you look at this schedule, we have four really fantastic games. Really, last week, four blowouts. This week, I really think we're going to have at least three games that are coming down the wire. These games are really tough to pick. So let's get into breaking down each and every one of them because it's game, game time. time. So we'll start with Bengals-Titans. As Bengals barely got out of the wild card weekend, last not a last second win, but came down to the last play. Derek Carr throwing that interception at the goal line. Look, it's not going to, I think, get all the headlines. There's no star quarterback like there is with in the Bucks rams game or Chiefs-Bills. You see, obviously, the way, though, tr- oh, Joe Burrow is trending. This might be the toughest game to pick. It certainly is, and it's the game I'm most excited for. Um, personally, Alex, it's so crazy to think, you know, before we really dive into this, the Cincinnati Bengals... Like, we could be picking them to go to the AFC Championship. That's what's on the line this week. I think it's definitely a surprise because we both, I think, liked Joe Burrow heading into this season. And we both thought they had some talent. But you looked at the key positions other than the quarterback, offensive line, pass rush, cornerback. We really felt that coming into this season in a very, very difficult division that they were just lacking talent at the key positions. I liked Trey Hendrickson. I don't think either of us thought he would live up to the contract like he did and be as you know, be one of the more underrated pass rushers in today's league. And I think that offensive line, they're they're still gonna need to address it in the offseason. I think that offensive line still might hold them back from being a Super Bowl winner. But they're on their way to potentially competing for championships you know, in the near future, especially as Joe Burrow continues to grow and develop into the player he's already become, which is pretty impressive. Absolutely. The Bengals are going to be there, you know, for for the next decade, it seems like, with Joe Burrow. He's, you mentioned it, he's got, you know, that killer instinct, the ability to stay in these games. And when we look at the town around him, really, we thought this was, whatever I'm going to say, a 7-9 to nine win team. Not and a team I thought, that would be and I thought potentially round. even less wins just because of the division they played in, with the Ravens, the Browns, and even the Steelers. Even though you know people thought the Pittsburgh was on the decline, which I think they were and kind of are now, especially with Roethlisberger going into retirement. But coming to the season, a lot of people, including myself, kind of thought this was the worst team in the division. Now I I thought this would still be a pretty solid team. But again, I thought they would probably go around 7-10 and 10 just because of the competition in the division and the lack of talent at some key positions as, I don't want to say it's fluky because they've done it all year. They do still need to add talent along that offensive line in the secondary, I think, to be a consistent team that is to be reckoned with in the postseason. But so far, you know, hats off to Joe Burrow, hats off to Zach Taylor, it's worked this far as I don't see it stopping, at least for another week. Yeah, I mean, if it ain't broke, it, it's crazy to think when we talk about the Bengals every week, 
we're amazed that, you know, the level of talent they have at key positions up front in the secondary. You mentioned Eli Apples, there's their, their other boundary quarter, along with Chidobi Awuzie, who we didn't think was a true, or at least I didn't think was a true number one corner. And both of them have played really well. And, you know, I think I'm a little bit skeptical that this, you know, play can go on next season. But, yeah, I think I agree that... Well, I think they need to continue. If they come in next season with the same team, I don't know how far they can get, especially if Baltimore's healthy. And you look at the Browns, if Baker Mayfield doesn't tear his labrum, maybe they have a more successful season. So if they come in next season with this exact same team, I would agree with you. But I think, you know, they we have the draft. They should have some... I don't... You look at this team, they're not paying a lot of guys long-term. Trey Hendrickson is really one of the biggest and one of the only names that comes to mind when you look at, you know, long-term contracts. And obviously that deal is working out for Cincinnati, so they will have money to spend. So I, it's tough to say you expect them to make the right decision, but I think if they make, if they take that next step in some of their younger players' development and make smart decisions in the offseason to improve their team, I think that can maybe make up for some natural regression you know, along that offensive line, along the secondary, because I could see them adding a cornerback. I could see them adding another tackle or guard to bolster those positions. Because I think their front office, they know that we have a great foundation, but again, I think it's tough for them to look at, is this a team that we can be a Super Bowl contender? Because I think they're nearing that uh, stratosphere, but I still think when you look at how they compare to the Chiefs, even though they did beat them early in the year, that class of the AFC, I still think they fall just a little short. But they don't face the Chiefs, and they don't face the Bills. They face the Tennessee Titans, who obviously were the number one seed this season. They kind of got off to a slow start, reeled off some wins against top against some top opponents, and then they kind of were a lot, you know, a little inconsistent down the stretch. They're healthier now. They have a coach of the year candidate. This is going to be a really tough matchup against a team that, really a ground-and-pound team like Tennessee versus a big play, explosive offense like Cincinnati. Yeah, it's going to be a really fun matchup to watch, I think, especially because Tennessee, coming back obviously with Derrick Henry, they have had a week to collect themselves. Mike Vrabel has had a, has had an extra week of preparation. uh, uh- of subject that the whole extra week of preparation, and I understand maybe it, not for that disappointment. They, they can't right. It's not like they can prepare for since they haven't been able to prepare for Cincinnati for two weeks. Right, but you're able to watch your own film and do some self evaluating there, and I think that's important because my biggest issue with Tennessee has been I don't know, but they have an identity, and you're talking about this ground and pound. Well, team. I think they. With Henry back, I think they do have an identity, and I think that identity is being a ground-and-pound team. The problem is, is some teams have been able to limit them or at least get off to a lead against them, and then Tennessee is playing catch-up, where when when you're playing catch-up, like the Titans sometimes do, some their identity kind of gets thrown out the window, and they look a little disorganized. Right, but also Derrick Henry hasn't played in a, in a number of games. You're talking about a guy coming back, as you mentioned, you know, off and they, air. They still have had yeah. some run game success. It hasn't just been they've had no running rushing attack since Henry got injured. They've had they've still had some 
success on the ground. They have. Just not at the consistency level before the Henry injury. They have, but no one's really scared of, you know, Foreman. No one's scared of I don't think Joe. I don't think Joe Burrow is scared of anyone, first off. That's true. Um, but you mentioned it, you know, before the podcast. Derek Henry's going to be playing with a metal plate in his foot. That's going to affect his running style. And frankly, this offensive line, people aren't talking about it enough, but it is not holding up the way it was a season ago. And, yeah, it feels like guys like Terry Lewan and Roger Saffold, guys who used to ben be— Ben Jones at center. Well, I'm really Saffold and Lewan, guys who used to be— Older guys. You were, used to be some really, really good, pro, even Pro Bowl caliber in Lewan's case, players. And I feel like over, this la- over these last year or two, they haven't been those same guys. You looked at, I believe, week one, Chandler Jones ate Terry Lewan for breakfast— essentially, that Titans offensive line is not what it used to be. The Isaiah Wilson pick really blew up in their faces. It's definitely something that, like Simsy, they'll probably have to address in the offseason. Yeah, I mean, because right now, it, 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 it's, it's able to hold up in certain respects um, with these kind of shorter passes. But, you know, when they're, when they're able to run the ball, and granted, their run blocking has not been great, but, yeah, this speaks for any offensive line. When they're able to be balanced, they have more consistency. They're a little bit better. But I'm worried against an explosive team like Cincinnati that can go up and put up points. Not in the same way that Kansas City Chiefs can, but we see them, we've seen them go toe-to-toe and beat Kansas City. They have that explosion. If a pass rush, and I know Cincinnati's pass rush, we've mentioned it, is largely... Trey Hendrickson, Trey Hendrickson and Sam Hubbard's been good as well. And, you know, DJ Reader has had a couple of great games now. Larry Ogunjobi will be out. Um, he's, he's out, out for, for, the, the for the season. So even if since he advances, Ogunjobi will not be seeing another snap uh, this, this season, right. this playoffs but for the Bengals. Really my point is when they lose themselves and when a passer is able to kind of tee off on Ryan Tannehill, that's... As you said, when Tennessee loses themselves, and that's what I'm worried that's going to happen in this game, and it's largely why I think that Cincinnati is going to go on the road to the first seed and, and win. And you know what? And I, I texted you this when Cincinnati kind of closed that game out that I was tempted to pick the Bengals, and you know what? Why not? Why not the Bengals? Why? No one expected them to win the division. You picked uh, Las Vegas, so you didn't expect them to win a playoff game, uh, I think if you look at the Bengals, obviously they had the longest drought of not winning a playoff game before last week. Nobody expected that streak to be broken, I think, this season. So at this point, it's kind of like you know that why not us mentality. Joe Burrow, I feel like, is certainly wearing it on his sleeve. I think this whole Bengals team has embraced it. And I'm going to happen to agree with you. And I think I'm going with the Bengals. And I think you look at these two secondaries, both the Titans and Bengals, both I think have overperformed in a lot of aspects. Would you agree? I think the Bengals secondary has been a, has been better significantly down the stretch than Tennessee's. So that I guess but even, yes, both generally have overperformed. So then you look at the offenses. Julio Jones has been a big disappointment. Absolutely. AJ Brown is the only weapon on Tennessee from a receiving standpoint that scares me. So yes. when you look at that one weapon, if you're Cincinnati you can double him. You can put Jesse Bates along with a, a Wuzier. 
you can kind of scheme to not stop A.J. Brown, but at least limit him. You look at that Cincy offense, you can double Jamar Chase, but T. Higgins can win one-on-one battles. Tyler Boyd can win one-on-one battles in the slot. Even C.J. Uzama is a, has been really proven to be a solid third-down guy running those seam routes, red zone threat. There are more options on this Cincy passing attack that scare me that even if you say let's take away player X, I know players Y and Z are more than capable of stepping up. And with Tennessee, player X is A.J. Brown. And after that, no one on this Titans offense has stepped up consistently to be that outlet for Ryan Tannehill. And you factor in that with uh, an offensive line that's underperformed and a running game that will probably improve for Derrick Henry, but definitely has its own question marks. Cincinnati, I think, can be a lot more flexible with its defense and will have and will are better positioned to scheme against some of Tennessee's explosive plays than the Titans secondary against Cincinnati. That's probably one of my biggest concerns for the Titans heading into this game. You can't just double Chase and call it a day. Because A, I think Chase can potentially beat those double teams. He's that talented. And then B, C, and maybe even D, Cincinnati just has two or three other weapons that can beat you in a multitude of ways. Yeah, I agree with everything you're saying. It's hard to really pick a matchup. And we said this last week in some of these wildcard games where Tennessee has the edge. I think defensively they're not playing as well. Games, maybe on paper, you could make an argument, but games aren't won on paper. Cincinnati is the hotter team. And I think, you know, the only, on, the only where else I want to go with this is let's look at the quarterbacks. I mean, Joe Burrow playing really... It's rare for, I think... I, I, I'm a guy, I want to see it before I believe it. Joe Burrow is one of those guys, at least in my mind, where that notion, that narrative, for me, gets thrown out the window. I've seen it in college. We saw it last week. Joe Burrow is a guy where I know he can show up in the clutch. I know he's capable of, in the fourth quarter, coming out with that huge game-clinching play. I know he's capable of that. I'm not saying Ryan Tannehill isn't, but I think that when you need that huge trunk play, when you need a key fourth quarter drive, right now, I probably trust the young gun in Burrow more than the veteran in Tannehill. I completely agree, and I think part of that's because the offensive line is worn down, and we don't know we're getting that running game. But also, Tannehill's got one weapon. It's A.J. Brown. And sometimes he bails him out and makes these incredible circus catches. But other than that, we're talking about Khalif Raymond as the number two receiver. I would still say, because of his potential, Julio's probably the number two, but he hasn't been reliable. He hasn't played enough to be the number two, Alex. Frankly, no one's scared of Julio Jones at the at this point in his career. And it almost feels like last year in the playoffs, Ryan Tannehill had other options. I mean, they're they're slipping my my brain right Johnny now. Johnny Smith was Johnny a really Smith. key option. He's now obviously in New England. Corey Davis really stepped exactly. up and was really blossoming. Maybe not into the top ten pick he was, but into a really good number two. He obviously is also in the AFC East with the Jets. So a lot of their outlet options are now gone. Exactly. And I think that's also got to be a focus along that offensive line for Tennessee this offseason. And then you don't worry about that defense. So, I mean, I don't want to get too far ahead of this game, but 
Tennessee has some issues, and Cincinnati is playing with fire in their bellies, and I think it's going to take them to the AFC Championship game. I do too, but I do want to leave it off with this. Okay. Cincinnati, I thought, played okay last week, but I didn't think they played up to their potential. I mean, they got the big turnover, couldn't convert the red zone. They had some key red zone opportunities early. They only got field goals, kind of allowed Vegas to stay in that game. Those opportunities, they need to convert into touchdowns because I think the Titans are a better team than the Vegas Raiders are. And I think that the Raiders ultimately weren't able to capitalize on their defense holding strong in the red zone. Yes, this Titans offense has its concerns, but I think that if the Bengals aren't able to convert red zone opportunities into touchdowns, I think as they play a more difficult and tougher team, I think that there's definitely a better chance that that will come back to bite them. I also thought since he got off to a nice start and then kind of in the middle of the game, it just fizzled out. They weren't able to close out Vegas earlier. So I do feel like as they play tougher and tougher competition, they do need to up their game. They do need to play better. I just have confidence that I think they will play better as they do get into that now second postseason game with such a young roster. I think they will raise their level to play. If they have a similar performance like they did last week, I'm not so confident that they can pull off the, I guess, what a lot of people would call the upset. But I do think they raise their level of play. I think they play a better brand of football this week. I think I think I get what you're saying about the potential. But I still think Cincinnati throughout the game was dictating things. They were dictating to Vegas you know, the, the pace of the game. But will they think- be able to do that against a... Tennessee Titans team that is better than Vegas and is known that if they can keep the game close or even have a slate lead, they will be able to dictate the pace, I think, more so than Vegas. I think that's fair, but I also think you're not giving Vegas enough credit for the team that they are. They're a solid team. They're a very solid team. I just, I don't know if you're giving Tennessee enough credit. And I know Tennessee's, not. Tennessee's had a bit of an up and down year, but I do think that... If the Raiders had won and the Raiders were facing the Titans, who do you think wins? Call me crazy, but so I would, you would pick the Raiders. So I guess that's where that's where we, I think, differ on our thought process and our opinions on this. Where I think the Titans are a, not a much better, but uh, I think they're a better team than Las Vegas Raiders are. So I don't know if barely beating the Raiders, that type of performance, I don't think it'll cut it against Tennessee. But I think also that was a... Not, I don't want to say sloppy, but a, I, I thought they could have played better against Vegas, and I think they will play better against the Titans. I, I think they'll play better, too, because I think the Raiders are better right now. That's, I, that's where I stand on it. But, that, that's, uh, a whole, that's a whole other discussion for a whole other day. Sounds good. We can take it in our, our off-season talks. Bro. Yes. I, I'll say the Titans also... They don't have. They have a good home field advantage, but they don't have like the strong home field advantage like the Green Bay Packers or the Kansas City Chiefs, some other teams. So I also think this game being in Tennessee doesn't have as huge of an impact as if we were in again like a Kansas City, Buffalo, or Green Bay. I I, I think I can get on board with that. So well, so we agree on yeah. most of the things. I guess the one thing we disagree on, it doesn't really matter because it was no. a complete hypothetical. But we are both picking the upset. We're going with the Cincinnati Bengals. We're riding the Joe Burrow train. 
And we think the Bengals appear in an AFC Championship game. After not being able to win a playoff game in over three decades, they win back-to-back and are in, 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 are in a position to potentially play for a Super Bowl title. It's crazy to me, but yeah, that's what I'm going with. Hey, you always want to win on a quarterback's rookie deal. Cincinnati doing that to perfection. So, Shy, we talked about one great game already, and the schedule doesn't get any easier to pick, really. Let's now go 49ers-Packers, and I think a lot of people think that the Packers should win this game easily, run away with this game, and that's where I say go back to week three. Niners-Packers went back and forth. Packers won on a field goal as time expired. It was, I believe the final score was 30-28. to 28. It was a fantastic game. Now, that was week three when the weather was warmer, and it was in San Francisco, where it was pretty hot. That's not going to... I have a, you know, prediction that the weather will not be that favorable in Green Bay. so? In Green Bay. Ooh, this might be Gen- the boldest prediction of the day. Yes, yes. The place known as the frozen tundra, I don't think, will be very warm. Yeah, I, 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 can, I think the weather... Just honestly, a hunch. Just a hunch. No, I think, it's a, <laughs> I think it's a good hunch. I think there are two things, maybe three. That played a, hu- a a big role for me in, in, in picking this game. And the weather is one of them. I think the fact that it's in Green Bay is just going to make life very, very difficult for Jimmy Garoppolo. For, you know, this Niners offense. And just make it easier for them to play defense. I, the, the Niners are not going to win this game by running the ball. I think they can, can help control the pace of the game and make it closer but at the end of the day, Jimmy Garoppolo can't throw late-game interceptions like he did last week and, and get away with it against the Packers in Lambeau Field. I agree. I do think that among some of these West Coast teams, I don't want to say they're the best equipped to go into a place like Lambeau Field, but I do think they're somewhat equipped because they do rely on a running game, right? They're not. Sometimes they almost play like a cold-weather team because of how much they like to run the ball not you know they obviously like to take their shots when the time calls for it but they're not this team that's going to put up 400 passing yards and throw the ball 50 times a game because they do run it so much because they do work off the play action in more of a short to intermediate passing game get the ball out to Debo Samuel and George Kittle and Brandon Ayuk and let them get yards after the catch I do think they're you know in that sense better equipped to go into a you know, an eastern or northern place like Lambeau Field and still stick to their brand of football. Now, I agree. Jimmy Garoppolo has to make plays in the fourth quarter and down the stretch. Because I don't, even if they get up 23 to 7, like they did against Dallas, it's, that lead is not safe with Aaron Rodgers. It was barely safe against the Cowboys. And Cowboys have a potent offense, but it's been inconsistent. Green Bay's offense has been potent and consistent. All season long. So a 16-point lead isn't going to cut it. I agree with you against the Packers. So Garoppolo will have to make those plays. I am going with the Green Bay Packers. I just think them at home. We talked about how Tennessee, that home field, is not this huge advantage. Playing in Green Bay is probably one of the biggest advantages, home field advantages, maybe in all of sports. Forget the NFL. In all of sports. Yeah, I would probably agree with that. It's, uh, it's pro- yeah, I think it's the hardest place to play in the league. Um, 
I think the way that the Niners stay in this game... They need to get a... Remember, and I bring up mm. the NFC Championship game a couple years ago, they grabbed an early lead, they ran, a ball, they ran the ball down Green Bay's throats. Now, I think Green Bay's rush defense has improved since two years, but we also saw Cleveland run the ball down Green Bay's throats. So we've seen that Green Bay rush defense not be as strong uh, in, some, in some weeks, and I do think if San Francisco can grab that early lead and at least dictate somewhat how that game is played, I think they can at least keep it close and potentially uh, come out with the upset win. If Green Bay grabs a 7 nothing or even a, a 10 or 14 nothing lead, that's where things can get a little shaky if you're San Francisco. I think where San Francisco wins this is at the point of attack on the defensive side of the ball. They were able to completely, you know, for a lot of the game, dominate this Cowboys offensive line last week, which was more or less healthy, um, which was very impressive. And the rush helped coverage so much where they were just holding up because Dak had less than three seconds to throw every single time it felt like. And I think... If you can, you know, if you do that, you make Aaron Rodgers get the ball out, you can contain this offense and frustrate him a little bit. And I think that's what happens if all of these less mobile, older quarterbacks is they, they, they can make all the throws, but if you can get pressure with four guys, then that's, that's how you do it. I think we're probably going to talk about that again for this next game coming up. But I think that's going to be tricky especially considering the health of Nick Bosa right now, because if he is not 100%, it's really hard to see that happening. Well, he has a concussion, so that's also not like a how-are-you-feeling pain tolerance thing. He obviously has to go through the concussion protocols, and obviously the doctors, team doctors, and I believe even an independent doctor, has to give him the thumbs up. So it's not an ankle thing where it's, yeah, hopefully he can give him some snaps at least. He's either a full go or no go. And again, it's a bit of a short week, Sunday to Saturday. That's one less day for him to get ready, for him to get the you know thumbs up from doctors. His, his status is in real jeopardy, and that would obviously be a big loss for a 49ers defense that has really come along, especially the front seven as of late. And then also Fred Warner. Remember, Fred Warner... When he went down, it looked like he possibly was out for the year, torn ligament. He was holding his knee. It looked really bad. Luckily, it was it was an ankle injury where he didn't tear anything. He didn't break anything. So, obviously, a positive sign for San Francisco. And that, you know, it looks like he might be able to give it a go. But when uh, we saw how much pain he was in, it really seems like one misstep, and that could be his day. Yeah, I, I think... It's not only the health of, of this front seven, but also I think when you look at the, the way there's a Green Bay and Dallas offenses, you, you mentioned Green Bay has been more consistent. And I think the reason for that is Dallas loses patience in their running game. And I mean, you know, I don't think we're talking about it enough. I mean, why is Ezekiel Elliott back there? I mean, your offensive line's healthy. When they're running the ball, it didn't always work. But I it worked. Think, it worked more with Tony Pollard. They and Dallas. Obviously, there's a million things that went wrong with them. They needed to use Tony Pollard more. That was a huge mistake. They, that's right. But they also need to run the ball more. It feels like they they kind of gave up. Tony on Pollard. Well, I think because Tony Pollard's a more explosive back, and for one reason or another, they went with Zeke, who's you know not as he's not that young gun anymore. He's you know obviously getting older. 
tread on the tires. I just think they didn't go with their more explosive back, and that also, the running game then wasn't as strong, and that resulted in them going away from it. I, I think that's right, but I think the Packers, when you look at, you know, but they have that thunder and lightning with Dylan and Jones, Aaron Jones, and how they kind of stretch them out, get them the ball more creative ways, whether it's out of the backfield in the screen game, horizontally, as well as vertically, that's a really tough task for a front seven, much tougher than tackling Ezekiel Elliott a few times. I, so I really, I, I think, not only the health, but I think the way that the Packers call plays and the way Matt LeFleur runs this offense is going to make it a lot harder for the, for the Niners to win in the tundra. And I'll say, I'll say this about the Packers. We talk about that uh, dominant or potentially dominant Niners pass rush. This is kind of going to be David Bakhtiari's first real test. He played a little down the stretch, but at that point, Green Bay pretty much was just sending him out there for reps. They had locked up everything. And, you know, he played Detroit in the last game, so he wasn't getting going against you know some stiff competition. He's going up against now this Niners pass rush that, as we saw against Dallas, had their way for really all 60 minutes. So this is, you know, obviously the thought of Bakhtiari coming back has excited Packers fans and We've talked about it plenty of times, but let's not pretend like he's going to come back and be like one of the best offensive tackles, like you know that he had been in years in years previous. There's no you know definitive you know possibility that he comes back and is as dominant, and he has a tough test. So I do think back to I don't think he's going to be you know a complete you know I don't a liability. But I, I think also it be it would be premature to say oh yeah and they have one of the best offensive tackles at you know at left tackle Bakhtiari. We still haven't seen it. I feel like for a full sixty games of action against an opponent like San Francisco. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you know health is is going to be you know something to watch on both sides of the ball. But I think this Packers offensive line hasn't been completely healthy all year, and there's really been not a lot of drop off with you know keeping Aaron Rodgers upright, having holes for their backs in the ground game. I think that the Niners keep this game close. That when you look at, you know, Jim, you know how much confidence you have in Jimmy G on the stretch, how much confidence you have in this Niners defense being able to assert themselves in the way they did last week. Do you trust a guy like Ambry Thomas on Devontae Adams? Who in that San Francisco secondary can cover Devontae Adams? Because I think, I, I mean, you're... They can double him all they want. I don't even know if that'll be enough when you look at all the ways Adams can get open. He's not just a speed guy or a strength guy. He, he's really the total package. I'm, I don't even know if a double coverage scheme would do justice in terms of limiting Devontae Adams. Well, you're going to have to try, but more so, it's not going to really matter unless you get pressure on the quarterback. That's how the Niners are built. That's what they're going to have to do. And I think it's going to be a lot tougher task than some people may think. And I think when also you look at the scramble drill, so they not only do they have to get pressure, they have to get pressure in my mind from up the middle and uh, take Rodgers down. I mean, Flaps that pocket around. The, the longer the play goes on, I feel like the more scared you should get if you're a San Francisco fan. I don't, think, I don't know if there's a better wide receiver quarterback combination at the scramble drill. Does anyone do it better than Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers? Mahomes and Kelsey's pretty Mahomes, good, Kelsey, but... Mahomes, Hill. I might 
I'm I might say Mahomes and their guys, maybe they're one A and one B. But then you go to number two. I don't know if there's any. I don't know if there's a better scramble drill combination. I mean, when Rodgers gets out to the pocket, it always seems like Adams or even a guy like Lazard just find ways to get open and get that first down and then some in some cases. Yeah, I think that's right, and I think it's a tough task. I mean, I'm, I'm. There's a reason. There's for, a reason we're both picking the Green Bay Packers. Yeah, at, we just trust Aaron Rodgers so much. He's probably going to win back to back MVPs. And you, again, you look at the Packers rarely get beat at Lambeau Field. And when it comes to January football, uh, last year the Bucks did it. You could look at 2007, 2008 season. The Giants did it, but the Packers almost actually Giants did it twice. Um, the Packers almost never get beat at Lambeau Field. And again, you look at some of those few times where they did get beat, that team does go on to win the Super Bowl. San Francisco, I do think they have a formula to potentially beat Green Bay because they are such a run-heavy team and a yards-after-the-catch team. But I just think that the firepower from Aaron Rodgers going into, really, the frozen tundra, I think that would just be too much to overcome. And I think ultimately, quarterback play and talent went out in this game. Yeah, I, I I think that's right. We're both, you know, we've we've gone two for two so far. Um, with some games that we really I think might even be better. The Saturday games possibly could be better than the Sunday games. I mean, I'll just say, you know, I texted you that I was tempted to pick Cincy, and then all of a sudden we see each other yesterday, and all of a sudden you're on the Bengals bandwagon. I was already I was already thinking about it too. I mean, clearly. You know, you could also make the argument, maybe it wasn't I like Cincy so much. Maybe I just really hate Tennessee. Yeah, that's... (laughs) I know you have... Maybe for different reasons. You haven't really spoken too fond of Tennessee. I do do know that. You're not... You've noticed it. You're not really... Maybe you you are on the Bengals bandwagon. You're You're certainly not on Tennessee's, though. Exactly. That's how I would put it. So, we're both going with the Green Bay Packers, Aaron Rodgers, the Frozen Tundra. Classic playoff football, as... I think I love football in Green Bay in January. I think the NFL loves it. It's cla- it's classic January football and not much not much is better than that. I don't think you'll disappoint, Alex. So we kinda talked about some places that are colder, specifically the frozen tundra. I I, th- I think this place might be a little bit warmer going to sunny Tampa Bay, Florida. <laughs> I mean <laughs> Yeah, I mean the home field advantage is, is, is solid, you know, but it's no, it's no Lambo Field. No, it's it's no Lambo, and uh, you look at, but uh, Rams do play inside. But with the weather probably being favorable, I don't know if there'll be this huge, at least weather wise, home field advantage in Tampa. No, I mean you know the Rams are used to the sunny skies in in in, in LA. Uh, I I think this game is is really interesting. We were talking about it a little bit before the podcast. You know, I think mainly the matchup for me to watch, you're just kind of getting, you know, right into it is Chris Godwin's not playing and you're basically dealing with Mike Evans and Gronk and that's those are the main weapons for 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 Brady right now. Those are the most, his most reliable options. And, and you know, I think we saw in the play, I believe it was, I think it was a third down play where I think Tyler Johnson was coming over the middle. He kind of stopped to wait for some traffic to get by. Brady thought he was going to just kind of run through it. 
it was just off the fingers of it ended up being incomplete just off the fingers of Johnson and you just looked at that miscommunication and it really just comes from a lack of playing time sitting behind Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Antonio Brown when he was there. Some of these guys like you know Scotty Miller obviously had some big plays last season, but Scotty Miller, Cyril Grayson, Tyler Johnson, they just haven't played played as much. And we know chemistry is so big when playing with a guy like Tom Brady, who's so good at throwing on time with anticipation that when you haven't had those reps, that time to work with Brady, there sometimes can be a dilemma and, you know, some, you know, miscommunication, which is so crucial to Brady and this Bucks passing attack. And you look at Evans, by far the number one, Rams have a guy that can cover him and potentially eliminate him. Yeah, I mean, I, I honestly think the Rams can feel pretty good about... This game is very well balanced. It's very well balanced, and I think if you're the Rams... Rams won earlier in this year. Exactly. you got to like your matchups. I mean, any team against Tom Brady, it's hard to say that we're you know being as favorable than we are right now to the Rams. Because when you have a guy like Jalen Ramsey... He'll take your chance of that one-on-one matchup with Mike Evans. I mean, if I if if I'm you know, and with no dominant number two, you can always double have, Rob Gronkowski. That's what I'm doing. I'm so you would double Gronk with maybe like a Devin White and Antoine Winfield, or even take one of your other cornerbacks. Devin White and Antoine Winfield play for the Bucks, Alex. Oh, sorry, <laughs> I was I was thinking the other way around. That's why. Um... So that I guess going to the Rams, that's also because both their safeties are out. That's the true. They have less utility to cover tight ends, certainly. But I think the fact that you have a Jalen Ramsey, I mean, Gronk is not a spring chicken. He's reliable, and he will get the job done when Brady puts it on him. A but lot of I it's think, scheme. I think a lot of it's getting him right. open with scheme, whether he starts off as a blocker, kind of sneaks out during all the chaos so he does get open with scheme a lot and that's why i think he's so wide open you know throughout the game especially in the red zone rams can't lose sight of him in the red zone i think that's right but i think when you're double teaming if you're double teaming gronk you see players break double teams because of speed and town and route running gronk is not that would you leave ramsey on an island against mike evans i'd I'd start the game that way you would start the game and then adjust from there I think, you would have, I think you would have a plan B where you, maybe you do kind of start to have a safety slowly maybe creep over there if things aren't going your way. Oh, but, no, for sure. You would have a safety, quote-unquote, creeping there the whole way if you want to because you can have the other safety down. Well, I'm down. saying you can always start with, okay, complete island, Ramsey versus Evans, but I think going into the game, if you're Todd Bowles, or not Todd Bowles, but I keep thinking about the Bucks. If you're, <laughs> um, if you're Raheem Morris... You can, I think, have a plan A, plan B, plan C for Mike Evans because he's the guy you're circling. He's the guy that, you know, on the whiteboard, when you're putting X's and O's, you're putting a 13. No, I think that's right. And, the, the I mean, you have two safeties. I mean, I expect... I don't, I expect know, I don't know if you want to put to, Eric Weddle. You might know. You might not want to put Eric Weddle. He's no spring chicken either. But I think you're going to see a lot of cover one. A lot of cover one man coverage here, you know, from... Uh, the LA Rams. You're gonna have a safety probably, you know, in the box, and you're probably gonna have, you know, you're gonna have one safety in the box and one safety up top. That up top safety can be shaded towards Mike Evans, keeping a lid on it, 
And the other safety can be taking away whatever's underneath, making Tom Brady work for those underneath throws and, you know, frankly, staying on Rob Gronkowski. And that other, that other guy in the box, you're putting, you know, seven in the box there, that's going to help with this running game too. It, it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a tough matchup for Tampa Tom, especially when you're you have a pass rush like the Rams that had such success last week. I know the Cardinals don't have the same offensive line. But well, Tristan Worst, we don't know. Ryan Jensen right. will play, but how healthy will he be? When Worst went back out there, he barely could walk. Exactly. So that Tampa Bay offensive line isn't healthy either. So I think if you're the Rams defense. You have to feel as good as really anyone you know could feel this season playing against that offense. I'm still going with the Buccaneers, and I think you are too. Yes. Uh, you just can't bet it against Tom Brady. And I think you look at that offense, we talked about some of the miscommunication issues, and we talked about some of the concerns we have. I mean, they put up 31 easy on Philly. And I know Philly, they hadn't been a playoff team all year. I believe they had only one win against a, a team over 500. The defense definitely had concerns. But they had a really strong defensive line, Philly did, and a shutdown corner in Darius Slay. And it didn't matter. They put up 31. And it, if they if it wasn't a blowout, let's say it was, let's say that Philly offense also had a good game and it was 31-28 at the end of the third quarter, uh, they probably could have put up 45. I think you're right. And I think that Darius Slay point's a great point, too. I think, you know, on the other Ramsey, side... Ramsey, I think, is better than Slay, but it's not like Philly didn't have a number one corner to guard Evans, and they still shattered that Philly secondary. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. I don't think Philly has the same the same pass rush. They don't have 99. But they still but, have a solid pass rush. Uh, they, okay. They're when solid. I, they're solid. They're solid. They're, so, what no, I'm they're saying Arnold, but they're the solid. Ram, it's not like the Bucks shattered a... a, a Below average defense. Like, the Eagles are, I think, have an above average defense. Would you agree? I would put them, yeah, maybe around middle of the pack. Middle I, of the pack. I don't know if I'd say too uh, far below that. Okay, one. but I, my, my overarching point is it's not like they just picked apart a poor defense and now face the number one defense in the NFL. No, no. I, 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 think, I, I think there's no doubt that Tom Brady can do this. We've seen him overcome far harder matchups and worse odds in his career. I think, and especially look on the other side of the ball, this Bucks defense is pretty darn good too. And it's hard, you know, you know the brand of points. But so I think, um, speaking of Devin White and Antoine Winfield, I think right. when, you, <laughs> when you go to Cooper Cup, it is, uh, and I know Odell has really emerged as a number two there. And Van Jefferson, I think, is a really good number three as well. But I think it's all hands on deck. Uh, Cooper Cup. I think you almost play a combination of zone man where it's you have a you it's one on one with a cornerback, but underneath you almost have a linebacker and over the top you have a safety. So it's almost like the cornerback and safety pass off cup with a corner following him the entire way. I think that could make a lot of sense. Uh, especially, you know, you can't let Matt Stafford get confident. And I don't think he has. And I don't, I'm not sure. I think he's gained some of that back last week. But I'm not sure he has still the same amount of confidence. And I don't think we have that confidence in Matt Stafford I think he'll, and Tom Brady. I, way more confident than Tom Brady, no Absolutely. doubt about it. But I do think the Rams will be able to put up points. I, I do so. think Stafford will have 
you know, some really nice drives, make some really nice throws, because even if they do take away Cooper Cup, which I don't think they'll be able to completely take him away, because sure. he has been the dominant number one, and yet he's still can continue to improve and produce week in and week out. Odell and Van Jefferson are a very good number two. Odell Beckham Jr., maybe he's not the same guy he was with the Giants, but I think he's better than he was with Cleveland, and he's really blossomed into a really good number two. And I think Van Jefferson, if Van Jefferson really is your number three, you really are set up nicely if you're that Rams offense. We saw the element that Cam Akers kind of brought to this offense. Cam Akers looked great last week. He looked fresh. He he did look fresh, and it really looked like it did not look like a guy coming off an Achilles injury. No, I mean he he had a lot of burst, and you know you see guys come out, come off of these injuries, they don't really move the same way. The lateral quickness is not always there. You know that change of direction. But we think we I think you know I'm feel pretty confident in his ability to go this week and I think that adds another element of explosion in the running game that the Rams really haven't had all season to this point I think they've kind of gone with the committee with Daryl Henderson Sonny Michelle and I think those have been effective runners when they've had to but it really seems like when Akers gets in there there's just a certain energy that he brings to the table that energizes that offensive line energizes the whole offense I don't, I'm not saying give him 100% of the workload because I do think having Michelle in there to spell uh, Akers is beneficial. And I do think Michelle has sure. proven he can be an effective – or not route runner, but runner. But I do think that there is that explosiveness and ability to really finish off runs that Akers brings. And I think he showed all of it last week against yeah. Arizona. Now, he will be facing a much difficult – a more difficult run defense in in you know Tampa this week, right? That defensive line is stout, and I think they're going to play a lot of zone defense. That's what I would do mainly if I was, you know, if I was Tampa Bay. You know, it can be frustrating for quarterbacks to. You can play zone, but at the same time, you need. I need. I think you have to have a guy falling cup around because if you play zone across the board, Cooper Cup will tear you apart. I I I think they will do that, and there will be some element to that throughout that's some sort of bracket of bracket of coverage but i think the way that obj Oda beckham jr van jefferson even got like tyler higby has played recently you need to you need to you can't kinda, go man across you the need board to and divide. Double cup. no you do need to divide uh and conquer in a sense because it isn't a one-man wrecking show you do have other guys who are can make explosive plays down the field I'm going. I'm going with the Bucks. I just think this game is going to be close. It's going to be competitive. It's going to come down to the fourth quarter. And at the end of the day, Brandy has shown us time and time and time again for what a two full decades now that he is the man you want in those situations. Game on the line, season on the line. There's not another quarterback you want other than Tom Brady. And I like Matthew Stafford. Good for him for getting his first playoff win, kind of getting that monkey off your back. But I don't care if I don't care that two of his top three weapons are out with Brown and Godwin. Brady has shown he's gonna he's gonna do all he can to get the job done, and more times than not, he succeeded. And I think he's gonna succeed one more week. We'll see if he potentially does it in the NFC Championship game. But we see time and time again Brady will lose to a team the regular season, but come playoff time, turns it up a notch and gets a win. And just the way they, I know LA beat Arizona, but again, the way they just completely 
dominated on all phases of the game from the get-go against Philly just gives me confidence that the Bucks are ready to roll, ready to roll. They know it's postseason time. They know it's we got to play our best football or we're going home. Yeah, I'm, that's why I'm going with the Bucks too. I actually think the Rams match up better than the Bucks do, but, but I think there's no there's no you know accounting for Tom Brady. And there's no way to measure it, and yeah. I think so he, there's no numbers, there's no t- statistic. Sometimes it's really tough to analyze, other than just saying he's Tom Brady. So now let's go to a matchup in Arrowhead. Another really difficult place to play. Exactly. You know, it's going to be cold. Maybe not quite as cold as the, as the Tundra and Lambeau. Although Buffalo dealt with the cold last week. So I don't know if it's going to be cold in Kansas City, but I don't know if that'll play as big of a part as the Lambeau game. I, I think that's right. Two, you know, young guns at quarterback, explosive offensive Offenses, explosive passing games. We wanted a rematch. We got it. It was regular season. That was kind of when Casey was in the middle of their, you know, when they were struggling. They started three and fours, kind of in the middle of that stretch. Buffalo kind of took it to them in Arrowhead. I'm going to go with Buffalo. And last week or last year, when everyone was kind of saying this is going to be the Bills' year, they're going to upset the Chiefs. I stuck with it. I took Casey. I think you may have as well. I'm going to go with the Buffalo Bills. And part of me, it's, I, I think the Chiefs the Chiefs are favored. I think they probably should be favored, some of me. I want to pick. It, it's really close for me. But I'm going to go with the upset. The Bills, not. I mean, they destroyed New England, and there's no other way to say it. Josh Allen looked like he was on a mission. It Last year, looked like the Bills, I don't want to say we're happy to be there, but it looked like... They were still, okay, we got that playoff win under our belt, and that was exciting for them. And, you know, they took that next step. After losing to the AFC Championship game in really a blowout last year, it really seems like the Bills are out for revenge. And they're poised to make a run at the Super Bowl. And they're see, they almost are excited to face Kansas City. They almost want Kansas City. And I just look at how that Bills team has operated, and I, I didn't – Love, you know, they had their own kind of struggling stretch in kind of the middle of the year to the end of the year. But watching them last week and watching them just really can punch New England, punch after punch after punch, it just seems like they're ready for this moment. They've been ready for this moment. They've been ready since Casey took it to them last year. And I think they've been looking forward to this moment. And look, I have my concerns. I think. Tredavious White, obviously, he tore his ACL weeks ago, so he's not playing. So against Tyreek Hill, against Travis Kelsey, that's definitely a concern. But we kind of talked with Tom Brady how there's that it factor. We talked with Joe Burrow how he has the killer instinct. I think Josh Allen's ready to take that step where sometimes he can't explain it, but I think he's ready for this moment, and I think he's going to try to show the world that I belong belong on the same level as Patrick Mahomes. And whether – he is that or not, I think will be is a separate debate, but I think he's going to try to show the world I I can beat Mahomes. Um, I can't, I, Mahomes, I'm not going to be Mahomes' little brother any longer. Let me rebut you for a second. Again, I, 50, it's almost for me 50-50. I know, but Patrick Mahomes has had his name slandered all year. It's oh, oh, he's regressed. He's slandered. throwing too many interceptions. He's not, you know, the same guy. He's I trying never to said do any too of much. That. I know, but it's happened. 
Patrick Mahomes has been doubted, I think, just as much He's this been year doubted. as Bro. Josh Allen. Uh, this, this year, sure, we could say, but to say Patrick Mahomes has been doubted, I think a lot of it was just overreaction. Maybe, but he's the most talented quarterback in this league. I know, I know the Pittsburgh Steelers aren't great, but man, did you see some of the throws he was making? Did you see the, the Bills played a perfect game offensively last week? No field goals, 7-for-7 seven seven on drive, and there were no turnovers. I don't think there was a single sack. I, I, except for the kneel down, all seven drives resulted in touchdowns. Everyone was involved. Gabriel Davis... Stephon Diggs, Dawson Knox, the running game was effective. Playing Kansas City, Alex. And the one, and my biggest concern for Buffalo was how tough can they be? How physical can they be at the line of scrimmage? And last week they showed it. Last week I feel like they took that positive step and we can be physical at the line of scrimmage. We can win in the trenches. And I think against a, a Patriots team that's known for it, they beat New England where New England's strengths are, and that's the trenches. And that was a huge step forward in the Buffalo Bills' progression. I think even when the Bills are playing at their potential, they're not the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that's the reason I'm going with them. Patrick, you know, Josh Allen is not Patrick Mahomes. You know, this Chiefs defense has been the best in football, I think it's since week six, I want to say. So for a significant period of time, they've been allowing around 16 points a game. 16 points a game over that time. They're not playing the Buffalo Bills, though, every week. I know, but they're going to slow them down. You know, Steve Spagnola has not gotten enough credit this year. Spags has been great. I I, I just, I, there's not going to move the ball that same way. And Mahomes is going to take it to the secondary. Do you think, do you think the Bills put up 20? Yeah, I think they put up 20. Do they put up 24? Sure. Okay, so I'm more confident. I, I This Chiefs defense doesn't get enough credit. I agree with you. I like this Chiefs defense. I love what Melvin Ingram has done. But I do think the Bills put up... I, I, I'm more confident in this Bills offense than you are. At least that's how it sounds. Maybe, but I think the Chiefs are going to go step for step with them. Who's matching up with Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey? Who? Who? That is my biggest concern. When Mahomes is getting out of the pocket, what's happening? That's what happened. Mahomes, they could not keep Mahomes in the pocket last year. And why would why is this year different? To give me a one reason why they're keeping Mahomes in the pocket this season. I look, it's definitely a concern of mine. I definitely do like how this buff I think this Bill's pass rush has gotten slightly better. You look at the length and guys like Gregory Rousseau, AJ Epinesa, definitely projects, but guys who have been coming along. And, again, my view is I just think this the Bills are – I thought last year they were – it was a little premature when, you know, when they took on KC. I think just they're ready for this moment. I think Josh Allen is taking – is going to take it upon himself to get the job done. And, look, again, I have this game 50-50. Nothing would surprise me, really. But I think the Bills, they pull off the upset, and they eke out a win on the road no. in Kansas City. Not gonna happen. I not gonna. Not gonna happen. I, again, I have this game about fifty fifty. So I'm, I'm around sixty forty. You're around sixty. I'm a little more confident than you are. Yeah. Again, I I really have this again as a coin flip game. It wouldn't surprise me if Casey wins. It wouldn't surprise me. Obviously, I'm picking Buffalo, but this is such such a great game. Such a I think gonna be a close game, and I think it's gonna be a really fun way to close out divisional weekend. Absolutely. I'm. 
I'm excited about all these games. Uh, I, you know, NFL playoff football. You can't ask for much better. You can't. Single game elimination. I mean, I like the baseball playoffs. Basketball playoffs are nice as well. But it's single game elimination. Really no room for error. Every play could be the last. And I, I think that makes the sport really fun. Playoffs really fun. And just, it's going to be an exciting weekend. Because you really, last weekend, I thought, I, I maybe I didn't expect four blowouts like we had. But there definitely were some games that I was almost trying to push in terms of being more optimistic about. Like, I was trying to hope for a good game and hope it into reality. This week, I don't think we need to hope much. I I almost expect at least three great games. Which game isn't going to be good? Which which game? I don't know. Which game? I don't... You said three. I said at least three. I think four, but I... You're like, you you want to be safe with it. Here's the thing. I think there's going to be four really good games, but... You're not sure. There are some okay. times where we think a game's going to be great and unfortunately it turns out not to be. But I, th- I really do think, I think we get four good games, but uh, ho- hopefully it turns out to be that way. Hopefully it turns out to be that way. I, I hope so too. I'm excited. I know Especially excited. after last week. I think the, the NFL <laughs> all owes us four, you know, gut-wrenching, coming down to the wire type games. I feel like Roger Goodell and the NFL owes us that. I think that's right. Yeah, without the refs getting too much involved at least, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. Don't 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 jinx it. Knock on wood here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought. Although I uh, before we wrap up the podcast, I do want to say, I thought the Dallas game. I, I thought Dallas beat themselves up. When the fourteen penalties. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> the four the fourteen oh. penalties has obviously you have a strong reaction. Some people might point to the fourteen penalties and say the refs need to play play it out more. And in some cases, that might have been true. But I feel like for the most part, they were pre-snap penalties, undisciplined type penalties where the refs made the right call. And obviously, you can't down your own football. I mean, the play call there was... Honestly, honestly, I'm a little bit of a defender of it because honestly, I think there's a chance it works. And we're not talking about it if it works. I think there's a chance. But when you call that play, you have to be ready for it not to work. There's a risk. There's a large risk with that. And you've got to own it. You made the bed by McCarthy laying it. Uh, McCarthy, Kellen Moore, I think we're, we're throwing a lot of blame on McCarthy. Maybe Moore called the play to get his job. A lot of, a <laughs> lot of people have thrown out that you know, possibility, obviously. I, I don't think that's true. But I do think we're blaming McCarthy, and as we should. But I'm, I feel like we should be blaming Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore is the play caller. He made the call. So just wanted to kind of touch on that, that... Cowboys, I thought they kind of, as you said, made their own bed. And I thought the refs, a lot. yes, there were a lot of penalties, but I thought they were rightfully called. Refs did a good job in that game. I just wanted to say one more thing before we wrap up the podcast. Although, you know, it wasn't the way Steelers fans may have wanted it. I just wanted to say, you know, although it wasn't the ideal sunset ride, thank you, Seven. Yeah, you know, two Super Bowls, and he can, he can join Philip Rivers and Eli Manning on the couch now. Exactly, um, you know, brought me so many memories watching him. I think he's just a definition of clutch. Um, so I just want to you know shout him out as a Steelers fan. You know, I think first ballot Hall of Famer for sure. If you have any thoughts on on him and our remaining 
remaining seconds. No, obviously a very successful career. And I really think, and we'll get to this maybe in another episode, but that entire 04 draft class, three quarterbacks in the top 11, rarely do they all live up to the expectations, and really all three did. So hats off, not just to Ben, but also Eli Manning, Philip Rivers, putting a wrap on that really incredible 04 draft class. That's going to do it for this edition of NFL Game Time Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and we'll see you next week for Championship Weekend.